I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to episode three of The Boardroom, uh, part of the previously on Succession podcast series. I'm Jamie East and look, there's no mucking around. It's top five of the all-time episodes of Succession. Don't at me, don't write in, don't send a fax. Uh, Joining me is a man who I think is probably now dreaming of a $40,000 watch. It's Chris Mandel. How are you, Chris? I'm good, thank you. I've just finished my shaved fennel salad and I'm ready to talk about episode three. <laughs> Brilliant. And over at the other side, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's not a tragic Jerry. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a sympathetic shift. It's a woman in her own right. It's Grace Dent. How are you? Hello. Um, I'm sorry I'm late. I was just buying an Israeli machine learning operation. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Can we just, I think, I think a round of applause, please, for the writers of episode three, oh. season three. Cause so it, good. Every line counted from the absolute offset from the moment it began and Kendall is sitting on the worst table in the house yeah. in that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. In the middle. The, in the middle, which I thought really showed how controlled he wanted this to be because he wanted everyone to know he was in that restaurant. Yeah. He wanted everybody to be able to see that he was doing this interview. So, yeah, that was, uh, it, you know, and I, I think that set the tone for the entire episode, didn't it? That this is about Kendall thinking that he can control the media by kind of saying, I'm in on the joke. I'm in on the joke. In fact, I like the attention. So, uh, yeah, but what an episode. It was the first episode I thought where you felt like it was proper game on. It was like, right, shit. This is this. This felt like end of season one succession where everything, you know, we talked about a little bit with episodes one and two where we worried about how much comedy was in there and there was, there was a bit too much exposition and, and this, that and the other. This felt dark, it felt sad, it felt tragic and it was just, but also had just the right amount of absolute absurdity where you can airdrop a shopping list to someone and that shopping list is like 10 massive fuck off Bluetooth speakers <laughs> and also 79p for Nirvana's rape me on iTunes. <laughs> can we fast forward to that moment? Cause that was a, 
we, we all texted each other and that was a proper gasp out loud, a shriek, a, a clutching of the pearls. It was awful. It was hilarious. It was, it was fantastic. It was one of the best succession moments ever. What was your reaction, Grace? Well, nobody was expecting it. That whole idea when, he, you know, when Kendall gave the shopping list, to me, that was just something flickering on in the background. But this is the beauty of succession. No line is wasted, isn't it? <laughs> it was it was setting us up for this moment when Shiv gets up to give her big speech and suddenly rape me, rape me is <laughs> playing really, really loudly over the speakers. I think this it the choice of the song is so important, yeah. isn't it? Because I mean, a lot of the things that happened in this episode were uncomfortable. You know, it was there was a real uh, it, it really showed why this is the most astute and relevant drama on television. It was really opening up the idea of the culture war in media, the yeah. two different halves of it and who is re- who's the baddie and who's pretending to be well-meaning. So for Kendall to get that song out, you know, because it's, it's distasteful. You know, that's one of Nirvana's songs that does split a bit, splits opinion, you know. It, it, yeah. It's aged badly, shall we say. So to have a joke with it, by getting it out was really shocking, you know, all so funny. Are we allowed to laugh at it? Yeah. You know, I don't think we're laughing at the song. We're just laughing at just like, it was just, it was the, it was the poetry of the fact that he thought it, he clearly thought it through and he's like, right, I can't just have one Bluetooth speaker because then they can just turn one Bluetooth speaker off and then there's no sound. It was the fact that there were like a dozen, half a dozen of them on different floors at different corners. So all of them had to be turned off for there to be no sound. It was like humming in the classroom when the, all, you know, it's when all the pupils hum in the classroom, you can't tell which one's doing the actual humming. It's, it was just... They had to choose a song, though, that was deeply shocking. You know, it had to be something that, you know, if he if he just played something by the weekend that was, you know, that was an allusion to rape. Yeah. It wouldn't have been as effective as that drawl of Kurt Cobain just singing the same thing again and again and again. So they must have brainstormed that. There must have been a Spotify collaborative playlist going around for months with that. Before the culture wars had really kicked off, people were offended by that song anyway. And people thought back then that Cobain had written it more about uh, music industry, you know, making a comment about the music industry. And he always argued it was about kind of women's rights. So this was a difficult song even then. So, you know, but this is why this show is great. It takes risks and it kind of says yeah there's probably going to be a hullabaloo afterwards with people saying you know viewers saying we didn't like that bit of the plot but but i think it's important in the same way as you know this week logan said quite a few things which were very of his time for an 80 year old man who is not in on the loop you know describing uh describing the guilt that he knew about with the with the, the yachts and kind of describing African ports in a very, very, you know, off way or what he said to Roman, you know, later, like all these things that, you know, some people would say, well, why do you have to put that in? But no, those words, shocking, brutal yeah, yeah, to the point yeah. and show the culture war that we're in right now. I, I, I think that's what, how this show has you completely on the edge of your seat. I just wanted to say like, that I thought that Nirvana moment was the thing that was amazing was how, like you didn't see Ken's, you didn't see Ken like watching at anything. It was almost a bit like so chaotic 
It reminded me of when Logan dropped the donuts the week before. It was kind of out of the Logan playbook of like, everyone's just going to like lose their shit. Everyone's scrambling, trying to figure out what it means, where it came from, how it happened. And I still can't figure out quite how we got it all set up or how we got the Bluetooth login or anything like that. But it was just, it was just chaos. And, and like, the thing about it is like, I don't quite understand what he's trying to do here, right? Because like a minute ago, he's like, I want to run the company. And he's just, he's just sort of fucking it up and like ruining it for everybody. He's not, you know, not doing right by any of the women that he wants to help. He's not doing right by his family, who he seems to still love and have a lot of compassion for. He just seems to be like spinning out. And it is one of those things where it's so uncomfortable, but it's amazing to watch. We've all seen videos, like moments in real life where corporate events like that have gone wrong. I'm thinking of like Set Blatter at the UEFA thing where the the dude like ran in with all the paper money Mm -hmm. and like... I think was it was it Rupert Murdoch's niece or someone like that that read out the wrong winner at the Americans Australia's Next Top Model event where where kind of like real life people that where things don't go wrong for actually go wrong and I think she got that down to perfection Dick it was that look of kind of like I'm gonna we're gonna style this out we yeah. never explain we never complain and then realizing that she had no control over what was happening and how fucking angry she got about that where the last thing that you that you do in those situations is storm off. And all that she had, all that she was able to do yeah. was literally just storm off and leave that song playing. It was just like amazing. It's all playing out publicly, isn't it? Like it's all for the first time, a lot of this acrimony that has been happening in closed doors is, is spilling out and it, no one is coming out of it well. Even, you know, we'll get to maybe Shiv's bombshell statement in a minute, but like no one comes out of this well when it, you're fighting in front of the kids, as it were. And the whole media is sort of laughing at them, but they're determined not to, not to let the other one have the last laugh, are they? It was very much a Kendall arc, I think. And, 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 and now that we've watched that episode, it shows us actually that all three episodes have almost been a trilogy of, of a Kendall arc, where, you know, episode one was the bravado and the kind of like puffed up chest and I can do this and I'm going to give the buzzwords and it's all Bojack and it's it's kind of, you know, my tweets are going to be off the scale. Episode two saw his plan start to backfire and unravel when no one actually backed him. And now in episode three, we really, we really saw old Kendall come back when he realised he was just fucked. Um, and there was there were quite a quite a few moments that that kind of fed to that but just jeremy strong's i've always preferred sad kendall to to kind of uh, hipster kendall and rapping kendall and there was the walk kind of like was it 5 minutes from the end where he was walking it was after the after it was it Saturday, like the Saturday Night Live YouTube kind of show that he was scheduled to go on where he was still trying to persuade them yeah. not to kind of like we don't need to talk about that right we can we can do it but not really right we got you got me guys you know I know people I could phone Jay Z I can get him on in fifteen minutes please just don't whatever you do t- uh, do this and then he's walk back to to the to the, through the corridor he, he just, I thought that that would um, haven't been on television loads of times that would never have happened where they would have let him out of their sight. No, they would have locked him down. Yeah, completely. From that moment that they knew he was going to walk, he would never have got to have turned around and walk away. I did find it strange that Kendall would be so flawed by this letter from Shiv because surely everything that was said 
in it he's very, very aware of. But what I did love was that closing moment where we had exactly that type of, uh, okay, the game's on, as we did when Logan saw that Kendall was uh, was going to turn on him at the yeah, end yeah. of the last season. There's this moment with the, with the Roys where when someone punches them full whack in the face, they're winded and then they kind of go, excellent. <laughs> they lick the blood trickling down their chin, don't they? And go, mm, I kind of, yeah. The thing that I love the most in these episodes is the interplay between the children and how despite the fact that they are uh, kings of the world in charge of so much, you know, the most famous people on the planet practically, really what you're watching is children coming to terms with things that have happened to them when they were children. So we're having, I think the storyline with Roman's really interesting at the moment. But that moment when when Shiv just walked in and like hocked up a lot of phlegm and shoved it into, <laughs> spat it into, into now his- was it? Was it Kendall's diary? What, th- what was it? I think she was kind of looking for him. She was looking. For, I thought I read that she was kind of like, where is he supposed to be right now? Like as if he'd I, have like a file of facts with his, with his calendar still there. But wasn't That's, that so yeah. primal, you oh, know, right, like right, any yeah. of us, we've got brothers and sisters, you know, we're grown ups now, but if you think of the most angry you've ever been when they were, ch- when you were children, yeah. it is the kind of thing that you would do. You oh, know, yeah. that'd have been a skid, that'd have been a skid mark on my, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, the the season is very young. Like, (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't be surprised if someone just pulled their pants down and actually did that. And it will be Roman. I thought it was so interesting, though, that last episode, the siblings not supporting Kendall is what made him stop. This time, it didn't deter Shiv at all. And she said, you know what? I'm willing to be the face of this attack. And I think what the siblings don't understand is that they all get played by Logan very differently. They don't all get the, uh, you know, like, come on, Pinky, like that, that Shiv gets where they, he shuts the doors from all the other women that were in the house and it's like, come and let's chat shit. They all get treated very differently and I don't think they understand that they all want different things. And all Ken seems to want is to hurt Logan. So when Shiv retaliates, he's like, why are you hurting me? Like, I'm not our dad. Like you should be going for dad as well. And it's so fascinating watching them just repeatedly not get it. But I thought, yeah, that, that it was just the, the, the Ken and Shiv thing, it, it, which was sort of set up this episode. She's now the face of the company that he's trying to take over and take down. And, you know, that's really fascinating. And, and we haven't really seen them go for each other quite so much. Can I go off on a little tangent and say, you know, what I loved about this was, you know, we saw through Kendall's eyes his uh, obsession with what everybody's saying about him. You know, good tweet, bad tweet. And he's now surrounded himself with a bunch of people who tell him all the time what everyone thinks. So he's continuously in pain or on a high and he's, you know, whereas we've all, we're all guilty of ego searching or, you know, reading our mentions, he's now got, he, he's on that on steroids. He's got an entire team telling him. And I did think this was a really fascinating comment on all of that, you know, how he's taking it further. He watches what I, you know, what's it, what it was Saturday Night Live. It was kind of like an American version of the MASH report, wasn't it? Yeah. And he watches it. And, he's, and he shuts down the party yeah, so yeah. everybody can watch the monologue about him. 
And his first response is to try and get onto the show so that he can... Uh, he can interact with that almost like a live, you know, a live Twitter battle. We just kept shouting, I, this is great. This is great. <laughs> this is great. Is this great? And like, the, like you say, good tweet, tweet, bad tweet in the limo. Like a was really just... honest appropriation who is deteriorating mental health. And the whole limo just went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, yeah, that's, yeah, that's quite sad. Yeah, that's... And I think it, I thought the casting of that um, show is really interesting because the, the comedian that's playing... I think the character's called Sophia Iwobe, and she's played by Z-Way, who has a show on Showtime, I think, in the US. And uh, she was okay. a TV writer that did, like, an online show last year called The Z-Way Show, where she would interview, like, Andrew Yang and, like, and, and just embarrass them, get them to walk into these traps. And I thought casting Z-Way mm. as a version of herself was really clever. Uh, okay. It is exactly the sort of show that Kendall would go on. Yeah. And I thought the idea of him going to the writers and being like, I know you're going to make fun of me, but I have some notes. Oh, <laughs> that was God. just, oh, it was just a poor, it was wasn't it? It's just, just, it just horrible. Awful. It horrible. But this is <laughs> what happens every time the, you know, the Roy's live in a bubble where, um, you know, they're very, very, very important. And it's fascinating. You know, everybody treats them as important and it's fascinating every time we see them kind of slip out into the normal world because that was just a few minutes where we had to watch him go over to a table where he's not important. Yeah. And he, you realize that Kendall doesn't read, he doesn't read, you know, the, 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 the social ticks between people that he's, he's not wanted at that table. I did love how. I mean, he was David Brent at that point. He was genuinely just David Brent, like uh, at that, uh, the the motivational speaking episode where he's like you know sucking <laughs> sucking his chest in trying to get the trying to impress the other it was just yeah just that that un that complete lack of self awareness that that we just love but I thought you know as a further comment on you know the culture wars in media I thought with the the idea of um, this comedy show and it's meant to be this great comedy show that everybody watches and it's so important but the small clips that we got to see of it wasn't very funny you know it was and so saturday night live then to me it was a real comment on the the arguments that we're beginning to have about comedy because i'm on the side of these people i want that show to be funny but it was really a lady kind of standing in the screen going, well he's a shit isn't he (laughs) it was no comedy it was just an outright vicious attack every room he headed into was like a there was like a bear pit wasn't it because you know the scene of him trying to get into the building and they they were arguing over whether or not he could legally be not allowed in his past didn't work and he was going to kind of like try and vault over the the turnstiles it was just but wasn't that just perfect when he yeah when he turned up again this is all about uh attention and uh, there wasn't you know it's nothing to do with what the government think of what and, you know, who's going to be on the throne at the end of the show. This was about Kendall loving that attention. And yeah. he knew that when he knew his pass was going to be turned off. I mean, they turn your pass off within about 35 seconds in a place like that. The moment I can actually, my, my last time I left the uh, talk radio offices, I couldn't get out because my pass <laughs> wouldn't let me out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking about the limo. I think if, if we need to do a very quick shout out to Reese, the watch guy. <laughs> I love that storyline. <laughs> I'm still trying to get the uh, the rich 
the rich uh, advisor to come on. Jamie, you have to explain who the rich advisor is for people who don't who don't watch this because we we've become very obsessed with him this week, haven't we? Yeah. The so per- the, the rich advisor. Yeah. So it, there is someone on the ca- on the on the crew of Succession whose job it is to advise the actors how to behave rich like, and and how to and advises the writers. You know, such a billionaire would never wear a coat because they're never outside a billionaire would never duck his head when he got out of a helicopter yeah exactly because he's been doing it since he was a child yeah so he's not everyone else bothered. would flinch yeah and somebody said to me this week a billionaire has no sentimentality about property and i thought that was interesting they, yeah. about the actual property they're in yeah. because these properties haven't been in the set in the house in the in the family for centuries and they never spend enough time in anywhere to love them. To and like I thought it, that yeah. was so exciting. It, it, true about the Roys. Yeah. Every palatial mansion they turn up to where the people have been preparing lobsters for days, they just walk in emotionless, don't yeah. they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, <laughs> they don't just care. Pick it up and, it's like uncut gems. It's that, it's, that, yeah. it's, that, yeah. it's that, that weird kind of thing. It's like no normal person would lend anyone else a gem for 24 hours. You just wouldn't do it. But like these watch guys lend out like, yeah, just take it. See what you think. You know, I got the feeling with Reese right away that, you know, he's just, he's a leech, isn't he? And he's, <laughs> and he, he'd got himself into the limo because Kendall's inner circle now is just a, a bunch of, a variety, a selection box of pieces of shit, really. Yeah, and he's now in the inner circle and he just seemed, he got himself attached to Greg because right away he could smell blood. And he knew that if he sat, he sat up late enough at the party, Greg would buy a £40,000 watch. I yeah. loved that throwback line at the end where he's going uh so it isn't actually working and i have found out that a piece of a watch like this actually has to go to switzerland for six months it's like oh greg give it back i loved also when he says at the start of the episode he near the start he says well i don't have a watch because i use a, 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 my phone for all my time-based needs <laughs> <laughs> I thought also, I just the thing about the watch storyline, right, is that obviously it was a, a complete riot from beginning to end. Greg accidentally buys a watch. Amazing. But the thing that I loved about it is that he says to Tom, I can't hang out with you to see this lawyer because Ken is giving me a watch. That is what freaks Tom out. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, after, after Shiv says to Tom, like, maybe you should go to prison. Maybe that's a really great idea for like a few years. That's what pushes Tom to go and get his own legal representation. And what I love about the show is this innocuous joke about the watch has this sort of butterfly effect. And Tom like feels like he could defect from Shiv and and go his own way. And I thought that was so, so seamless. And that's what I love about this show so much. I love the the run up to that conversation on the sofa in um, Shiv (laughs) and Tom's house because... Shiv walked in and Tom said, the dog's ill, which is such a real thing. You know, that's yeah. a real life thing. Who's been looking after that dog? That, 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 they, I doubt they even know its name. It, it's a dog that seems to live kind of in a, in a fire grill or yeah. something like that. The kind of the thing you put in front of a fire. And it's a, 
the, the, it's a Labrador, isn't it? That they need a yeah. lot of walking anyway. And he said to the, he said, to him, "Oh, the, the dog's eaten your pantyhose, and I've <laughs> had to pull it out of its ass." Which is such anyone who's got a dog listen to this, you haven't lived until you've pulled until something you out of a dog's yeah. ass. Yeah, and it was such a moment of reality, wasn't it? And then she kind of sat down and basically said, Do "You know, maybe it would be a good idea if you went to prison for a few years." <laughs> I just thought that's the closest you got to actually, you know, repairing Domestic, things yeah. and. What he what what she needed to say was, I would rather go to prison than send you. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I'm yeah. president now. I can protect you. She's yeah. like, no, no, no. I think that's it's the a really last good thing idea. that's gonna happen because I love you and I, you know, and and instead she she just kind of yeah. I just this was the first episode where I felt really really sorry for him mm, because yeah. he had actually done he'd done a good job he had ta- he had a difficult task he had the ad buyers he had all the kind of execs from ATM there it was his job to kind of like hold the fort to steady the ship and to kind of like you know to see it through and he got so close it was there it was all there and then the fucking FBI turned up that couple of minutes in Logan's office where Jerry actually came into her own and, Mm. and she, she kind of relished that moment, I think where she realizes that she's just into him. She realizes she has absolutely no sway. All of that thing about the Israeli thing at the beginning where he was just getting overruled and Logan was just getting fucked off with the fact that he had to hire, put her in that position in the first place. She then just got her own back at the end, where she was just like, "Actually, mate, you are fucked, and there is nothing that you can do about this. There is not a single way that you can wriggle out of this." Well, the first few lines of the of this episode, yeah, exactly. She was she was saying to Carl, "I think that we should push forward with this sale, this ridiculous Israeli machine learning operation." <laughs> and uh, and he kind of and he turned around, didn't he, to look at Logan, and she said, "No, look at me. Yeah, look yeah. at me." And I yeah. thought, "Ooh." This is really interesting, this idea that they've put her in. And, and you know, Kendall as well in, in, the, in the, the restaurant, he was saying, oh, you know, I actually really love her, but, you know, she, basically she's crap. You know, yeah. there's this idea that there is a bit of sexism there. There is a bit of she's not really as forthright or as important as the, as the big hard men that are there. So I did, you know, there was that moment where she walked in and, and Logan turning around and shouting at Jerry and going, stop hovering, you know, yeah, that was yeah. harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you thought you don't speak to her like that. So for her to come in at the end and just go, he's saying, oh, you know, could you tell the FBI are downstairs? Could you tell them to come back tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> now is not a good time for me personally. Yeah, exactly. I'm very busy. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a manny booked. Yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> Um, Just also like compared to last week where she's like taking the photo of the cryon about her being appointed. She's setting up her desk space. And then this week she's having to have the meeting in Logan's office. She's the only one stood up because no one's looking at her. And when they still won't look at her, she literally walks to where everyone's looking to try and catch their gaze. And he's like, fuck off. Yeah. I feel for her, but I I have faith in her yet. Well, she's got, she's got Roman in her pocket still. So, and you know, so I, I, I'm not writing Jerry off by a long shot. And the FBI want Logan. They don't want the person that's been in the job for like one and a half days. Exactly. Can we talk about what I think is going to be one of the most pivotal moments in the whole 
series so far. It was three words. <laughs> it was when Colin lent into Kendall and just said, I know you. And literally, you heard Kendall's arsehole squeak like a motherfucker. Uh, for those that don't know, Colin, was he named Colin or have we just named him? Right. I don't know if his name is Colin. The only, word, the only reason I know that he's called Colin is because I was obsessed with him during season one because he's clearly Logan's body man. Yeah, yeah. He's, he is the person that, quite literally knows where the bodies are buried yeah and will take a body down at any moment this is why he was the he was the man who when cousin greg arrived and the first few scenes he was the one that basically knocked him over like a bowling like a pin in a bowling alley and um as he with greg going he's actually a really good bodyguard (laughs) (laughs) battered by him so yeah um but um colin didn't say almost he didn't say a single word um properly during the whole of season one until all of this kicked off with Kendall. Yeah. And we got the feeling that Colin made it go away. I just remember him walking into the it was like a downstairs laundry room in that big mansion they've got that had the raccoons in the um in the fireplace. Yeah. And Colin went down <laughs> into the laundry room with him. So this was season two, episode four maybe. Oh, and with the stink went, in the house. Yeah, yeah, where it was stinking. He said, yeah, yeah. he went, um, how much, How mu- I don't know how much you want to know. Shut the door, put the laundry on and said, this is how we've made the body go away. For Colin to just suddenly appear in this episode, it was, there was a, there was a horror film aspect to Ooh. it, wasn't it? That kind yeah. of, I know what you did last summer. So for those that, that don't um, remember, he was the guy that we think, I mean, he was almost certainly the guy that found the, uh, found Kendall's key card on the, at the scene or even in the car of, of the guy that died in, at the end of season one. That's, I that's, was reading today that Colin was the person almost certainly that managed to find out that Marsha was being investigated by Shiv because when Shiv walked into the room, apparently that time and Marsha went, if you want to know anything, you just ask me. I'm very open. <laughs> and apparently Colin's kind of lurking behind going, I know where my bread's buttered. It was so tantalising just to just to be reminded that, that in this universe, there are people that are like seen and not heard. And I really want to know what that guy would t- say if he was testifying yeah. or under oath. If there's or, ever going to be... No. Yeah, he's, he's the mic in Breaking Bad, isn't he? He's that kind of... He, he, just does yeah. not fuck about the fixer, yeah. the fixer kind of thing. Let's have a Colin spin-off. He might be one of those people though that he's employed like off the books. He's a consultant for a company that's based in the Bermuda Triangle. That like he does his dry, like, he does his dry cleaning. Paid, yeah. yeah, paid in cash, no questions asked. Like, but I do think like I, to to Grace's point about you know they must know stuff. I, I do think a lot. All of the kids never thought they'd have to turn on their father. They're so spoiled. I just think. There was this great image of um, Ken in his apartment in this episode where he's literally like like a hundred floors up and he looks out the window and there's you can't see anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like there's like a few clouds and like maybe the Empire State Building. Yeah. And I thought that was the most beautiful way to explain this show. And he knows there's people beneath him who don't have as much of a view, but he does not care. Yeah. And also he can't really see anything where he is, but other people can see him. 
And I think it was really, and I think Tom says something at the dinner where he's like, it's not our place to know what the gods are doing up there. And I thought, yeah, like, but I think that, that little, as you said, Jamie, three words, I think it's just so, they do so much with so little just to go, yeah, this guy knows. But it, it brought it, it brought Kendall crashing, crashing back down to it very, very quickly. Very, like um, immediately yeah. he was, he was, he was, he was lying in the bath again, wasn't he? Chris, I, I love that you're saying about him being in that um, kind of beyond penthouse apartment where he can't see anybody <laughs> because that juxtaposes with like that bit where he was suddenly walking through the basement and he was yeah. doing that thing going, he was going up to the, the, the guy moving boxes going, hey, my man. <laughs> I was just like, whenever Kendall is these moments we see where he has to interact with the actual public. It's awful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you, you, and the fact he had to get the freight elevator in the end, that was, that was like not the, he was going to film himself jumping over the gate. And in the end he had to go in the, you know, the sort of slightly dusty looking yeah. like haulage lift. Um, Do you know what we've, those apartments that he, the, the one that looked like the one he lived in, those are those sort of super skinny skyscrapers in, in Manhattan now that are like, you know, the ones that they're, they're not designed, you know, they keep swaying and they keep flooding and, and they're, they're, they're like a hundred million dollars, but they're considered like uninhabitable because they're just not designed yeah. properly. But the idea of them is so good, but the reality of being in there is basically like being in a big crow's nest that's like f- swinging around. And I thought, God, of course, Ken has one of those places, you know. I loved him when he was walking into the, uh, the, the, the evening where Shiv fronted up to him. And they were they were doing the red carpet, and he walks up the stairs and goes, "Oh, should I cause some trouble? <gasps> fuck the patriarchy!" And it was like, "Oh God!" Awful. I think that "fuck the patriarchy" line it links into also the the rape me thing at the end that Kendall thinks he's on the side of right and good and kind of social justice, but he's about. He's about ten months behind everything. He's and it's all a bit cringe, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's so you know, he, he doesn't seem to realise that by getting that song out, it's he's just inviting trouble. We should do a quick mention of Roman being pushed out to remember his childhood with Captain Cuddles and to try and remember one nice thing that happened because he summed it up by saying, "I'm." <laughs> I'm going out to talk about murdering trout and singing sea shanties around the marshmallow hole. <laughs> and I just, and I just loved that he couldn't think of anything at all that he'd done with his father. To his credit, Logan had watched had watched it and said, "I don't remember that." That and and it turned out that he'd actually just replaced a memory that he'd had with Connor instead. But the fact that Logan just genuinely doesn't say anything wrong with that, he was just like, "Oh, okay." It's like he never he never puts two and two together, does he? He, he genuinely does not see that he has been a loveless father. Also, I just love that Connor took. I love that Connor took him on the fishing trip. I want to see that scene. I want those. That's so sweet. Like Connor yet again, like doing the least this episode, but like so fond of that guy. Like what a, what a good big brother he was. Yeah. Do you think that Logan has become more repulsive? and dislikable in this season, or is that just me? I think that the writers have just pushed it. It's it's beyond pantomime now. It, it, to me, he isn't the person you love to hate. 
I've kind of flipped with him where some of the things that I've watched him do with his children for me, I think it's, it, this, it, he's a sociopath and it's, it's, it's really difficult to watch. I think the last season, what I think was so good was that they nodded to how much of a traumatic upbringing Logan had. And so we kind of went, oh, he's not so bad. And because it's been a minute, I think we're just, we are reminded of all the ways that he's a complete shithead. And I'm wondering if there's going to be more about that. I remember he had those sort of, were they scars on his back? Or yeah. Sort of, Almost like there was some, he got like beaten as a kid or something. And, but I, to your point, I mean, I think, yeah, it's clear that there's just layer upon layer of just awful parenting, being an awful partner, being an awful employer. And it is, you know, people joke that it's like, oh, people go up to Brian Cox and just want him to tell them to fuck off. And I think that feels less and less fun now than it maybe did like in season two. I, um, I wouldn't want to do that. Predictions wise, have we altered it? somewhat i mean there was less you know my my theory about greg being uh the scapegoat for all of this i don't know it's still kind of still bubbling under but it's not looking good for tom either i think about this question all week and i get quite philosophical about it because i know that when i was watching game of thrones i became quite uninterested by who actually got the prize at the end because the point of the drama was that it never brings happiness. All it brings is an early death and betrayal. <laughs> and I feel a little bit like this about succession, that what interests me more is when Kendall keeps walking up to people and saying, another life is possible. <laughs> saying, you know, set yourself free. There's an idea that maybe none of them end up with it and somebody else takes it over. Okay. But if I had to make a choice, I'm still Team Kendall. I love Kendall. He's an absolute fool. Love him. He's just, I like the fact that Kendall is trying to do the right thing. And I just, I think that Naomi Pierce is, is maybe going to end up being responsible for his downfall. Oh, really? Oh, come on. Like, you know, he's got a coke problem. She's got a coke problem. Yeah, the last yeah. time they were had, went on a massive bender that, we've, that we saw, they were sitting in the front of a helicopter, which had like <laughs> real kind of, uh, who was the people that crashed the helicopter in Cape Cod? The Kennedys. You yeah. know, there was real, there was a real kind of, I'm not saying that those people took cocaine, but, you know, there was like a real kind of, I think there's every chance that at some point a Kennedy is taking cocaine. I think you're on safe ground. Yeah, I think I'm on safe ground. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, I feel as if he's probably our best bet. Chris? Well, I think the Naomi Pierce of it all is interesting because I, I think she is in, has been in a couple of episodes this season, but doesn't actually say a lot. And I find her presence quite unnerving. I actually had this theory today when I was thinking about this question. And what if... You know, the company is is looks bad. They've got this hostile takeover from Stewie and Sandy imminent. We haven't they are the white that is the white walkers of this show, right? They are descending and they're so busy squabbling they don't realize. So my my thing is, what if the company has to get sold to the Pierce family? And that rather than them trying to take them over as in last season, next year they become part of a bigger machine and they they are just not. The, the power brokers that they were. I think the, the, there is a lot saying that this company is failing regardless. 
uh, we're in the new age here, people, as Ken said last week. So, uh, you know, maybe they get bought out by a bigger company and maybe they are not steering anymore. Okay. I think that would be amazing. And then they have to try and get Waystar back. Is that what you mean? Maybe, or just, just it's, it's over. Like it's, it, you're not, it's not the nineties anymore. This superpower of a company, you know, as it is with a lot of big media legacy companies, they're never going to get that back. They're only going to shrink. And I love the idea of nobody having the keys. It's going to be part of a bigger sort of conglomerate or owned by a very liberal family like, um, like Nana that was, uh, that was in last year. The other thing I wanted to flag before I forget is that there's a really, really good interview with Brian Cox on Esquire at the moment, yeah. Esquire UK. And he talks very candidly, as he has been doing for a few weeks now, about what he thinks the show could look like. And he says, you know, it, you think Logan might die. That's a very real possibility. But he said, there's a route, I am paraphrasing here, there is a route whereby he gets so disillusioned by all of this that he just walks away. Like it, he, he can't, it, it's over for him. And I thought that is really cool. It's not about him dying, but him just bouncing. Mm. And I thought that is a really interesting way for this season or next season to go, which is he chooses to leave rather than being dragged off the throne. So now, before, before you finish, Chris, you came up with a theory after we finished recording last week <laughs> that yes. blew that blew my fucking mind. And you really, you need to revisit that. It was about Greg. Do you remember this? this? Chris has so many good ideas. He can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember it. Chris, when we were both, when we were, all going to bed last week, not in the same bed. Yes. We were all in different yes. houses. It's not that type of podcast. You <laughs> sent, the yeah. <laughs> you sent yes. us a message okay. about Greg. Which and I think I think I think this will blow listeners' minds. Go for it. I'm gonna just I'm gonna go off what I remember. God, I, this is like memento. If I got it spelled out on the fridge magnet somewhere, my theories about the show. So I think uh, Ewan is gonna leave everything to Greg. I think Ewan looked frail last episode, Greg's grandfather, Logan's brother. Um, I thought he looked frail. He was in town settling his affairs, which seems very like end of your life. I think he's, and also James Cromwell, who plays him, seems, and I say this with the greatest respect, to not to love the acting lifestyle in the way that he used to. He wants to be, do more activism and, and, you know, have a few early nights maybe. I think they'll kill you and off. I think Greg inherits like his position on the board as his like male heir. And I think Greg suddenly becomes a superpower and he's got a different lawyer. He's got his own watch and suddenly they are fucked because Greg is a force to be reckoned with. And no one's been very nice to him. No one's been looking out for him um, except Reese. Yeah. Who's whose fee is doubled, yeah. I imagine. But that's, yeah, that was my theory that, that Greg is going to come into this really terrifying position of influence in the whole thing. I yeah. think with what Greg knows, you think the least that Kendall could do was buy him a bloody watch. You know, it meant nothing to him, really, did it? That was just such a kind of weird power play from Kendall. It's like, oh, yeah, I said I was going to, but I'm not buying him one, which, yeah. you know, was very, was pretty tight. Uh yeah, they're all going to eat their words, aren't they, if that happens? I love that theory. I need to know your um, routines for watching it already, because I I wake up about four o'clock in the morning and think <laughs> it's, on, it's on my skybox now. 
I need, I could just go downstairs and then I have another hour and then I end up getting up really early. I have a really large cup of coffee and then I <laughs> put my headphones on and I sit and watch it by myself. And it's, I tell you something, it's the best part of my week. <laughs> but then I get, it gets to about 6am and I'm like, I wish Jamie and Chris were up. <laughs> it's like Christmas. Mine is annoyingly, because well, I get up to do the Smart 7, I can't like get up early to watch it. Otherwise I'd have to watch it at two. So I'm up anyway. But then by the time I finish, I have to go and do like kid and dad stuff. So yeah. I can't sit down to watch it until about half nine, uh, which is which is annoying. But I've got I think I've got my password sorting out. So I'm, I'm going to watch them on Saturday, I think, hopefully. What a- I watch it first thing as as first thing as possible. Um, my boyfriend is usually over on Sunday, so he gets up, goes to work on Monday. And then as soon as he's gone, <laughs> get out, get like, out, get out, door shut, <laughs> kettle on, <laughs> toast in the toaster. And then it's all kind of like ready to go. Um, it's a mo- much more sociable than Thrones, which I used to do oh, at like 2.30 in the morning, yeah. write a review, yeah. go to bed. But it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and also all the Americans are talking about it on Twitter all when you wake up. So you just, yes. I just, you just have to get it watched, yeah, don't you? That's the, get that's it the watched thing. before they spoil it for you. There's a real pushback I'm seeing already about stop talking about succession i don't mean as because you're spoiling it i mean from people that haven't watched it at all and who've now decided that they're never gonna watch it you know that kind of it's cool and i'm not going to be told to watch yeah. this cool thing um there was a you know a good piece about it in the times this weekend and then underneath it was 300 really kind of obtuse comments about how this is just this overexposed show. And I thought that's when you know you're getting under the nation's skin when yeah. people it are happens, angry. It happens it. with every big show, doesn't it? Whether it's Ted Lasso, whether it's Game of Thrones, whether it's Lost, Breaking Bad. Yeah. It's just that tends to be way more like traditional shows in that I didn't see anyone saying like, well, I didn't watch Bridgerton. Like the people who didn't watch Bridgerton, of which I'm one, just shut up about it and watch something else. Same with Squid Game. But there's something, people seem to get really annoyed that they don't like a thing that everyone likes. And to which I say, go and watch something else. We've all got seven streaming services. We're not really watching that much. Go and find something. Watch a superhero film. There's loads of them. Do you think it's because it's it's on posh TV as opposed to Netflix? I think the prestige thing, yeah. the HBO of it all, is is what rankles people. I think, yeah. I think because it's objectively quite funny. I think some people. I think you know, it, it's not a drama. It is essentially it is a workplace comedy about one percent. And also probably because because I guess it is slightly elitist, even though because they're both sub- subscription services. And I don't know the yeah. I don't know the figures, but I would wager that more people have access to Bridgerton than they do Succession. Yeah. So. I also think um, a lot of the popularity of it during the Trump years was like a, yeah, take that rich people. And so I think there is a sort of very left uh, fondness of it, which I think maybe just doesn't give it the broadest appeal. And I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I find people who don't say they enjoy it. I find it very unusual. I think it's amazing. But, you know, for those listening, you don't have to subscribe to Sky. You don't have to have a Sky dish. You can just go to Now TV. I'm pretty certain you can just buy like a... Get that th- Get that month's trial. Yeah, just get... And then I mean, I mean look, you know, far be it for me to tell you what to do, but wait until the finale week and just get the month's trial and watch them all, you know, and then, and yeah. then you're done. 
I would then sign up with a different email address and do it for Thrones, or you know, that's you know. But. Yeah, you can move. Sorry, we imagine you can move the period in your email. Address. Yeah, Sky, Sky aren't sponsoring this episode. This one, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Although, if you are listening, uh, Sky, House of Dragon next year, count me in. Hi guys. Hi guys. Yeah. Uh, do get in touch with us if you are enjoying it, uh, as as many of you have actually. Although mainly getting cross at me because I said that Lalabo perfume uh, was not posh. <laughs> just to clarify i didn't say it was i didn't say it wasn't expensive i just said it was a bit declasse uh to a to mm. a billionaire not to us mere mortals i have le labo i have the most declasse le labo of all the classic santal 33 which is the one that everyone wears it's the one that benetton try and rip off with their room perfumers and, and oxford street are they sponsoring the podcast no no one's sponsoring the podcast sadly um but uh, jamie's just went it, it, you know, just stop digging. You've offended every single person that's got the labo in their bathroom. So what you've done is come in and just pointed out what that it's actually declasse. But <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit. <laughs> you know, when it's, you know, when it's not an a, when a listers aren't wearing on their neck and you're just using it to hide the smell of your own shits, it's declasse. This is true. <laughs> this is true. There we go. Some Right, and on that on that bombshell, on that note, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Chris. See you next week. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. That was a lot of fun to record. We will be back next Monday night, maybe Tuesday morning, uh, deconstructing episode four of Succession, which is available on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. If you need to catch up on any of the episodes, that's what we're here for. Previously on is the podcast catch-up service for all your favourite television. We've done Thrones, we've done Watchmen, we've done, oh, we've done all of them. Go and have a look. Uh, you can catch me every single morning at 7am with the wonderful Smart 7. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow, give us your money give us your firstborn child whatever you want it will all be greatly appreciated see you next week selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with shopify Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.